I can remember vividly at the New York Giants training camp when we were there. Uh, here's this tall, lanky girl, and we did VO2 max tests on treadmills. Tim Hole and I were warming up on the bikes, and here's Gwen on a treadmill. Oh, I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. And I've told this story a million times, but I left the room. I'm warming up for my test, but I literally left the room with my phone, called Jody, my wife, uh, and had her Google, who the hell is Gwen Jorgensen? That was Barry Siff, USAT president, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Hello, YT community. I am Jess, your host. And first off, I want to wish everyone a safe and joyful holiday season. On a yogi note, I want to wish everyone the sight to truly experience the giving and receiving of this holiday. It's a time on our calendar when people come together and community is strong, and I wish for everyone that you do not leave this sentiment behind, but put it into action. This idea of love, joy, and togetherness, put it into action every day of your life. We are here to support one another, to share in life experiences and wake up to see that there's a lesson and gift in everything and that every moment that we live consciously is another moment that we don't miss our lives. This podcast is about bringing you people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose, people who are acting on their passion and manifesting it into their lifestyle. Today's guest is absolutely living what he loves so very much, the sport of triathlon. Barry did his first triathlon back with the Pioneers in 1986 after five years as a competitive marathoner, putting down 26.2s in the low 240s. In 1998, he hung up his multi-sport for another as he entered into the world of adventure racing until 2003. He returned to triathlon when he and his wife Jody purchased the Boulder Peak Triathlon, which at the time was a half iron distance race. Now, anyone who knows Boulder knows or has raced the Boulder Peak Triathlon. Actually, I'd be shocked to find anyone living in Boulder who hasn't raced this iconic Olympic distance try. Jody and Barry went on to become one of the most successful race directing teams triathlon has ever seen, not to mention the cleanest of operations in history, producing completely off-the-grid triathlons through their tri-sustainability initiative. Pouring their hearts into what became 5430 Sports, they were on 24-7, and as Barry says, it was everything they did outside of the actual races that allowed them to run extremely successful races and to leave such a mark in Boulder before moving to their home in Tucson, Arizona, where we caught up with Barry last month. So, Barry used to live in Boulder, we used to live in Boulder. We raced Barry's events, and we know a lot of the same people. So buyer beware, there is some serious name dropping that goes down in this episode, but the fact is, Barry Siff's name is synonymous with the sport of triathlon, and we are better off for his involvement. Currently serving as the USA Triathlon President, as well as member of the Executive Board for both the International Triathlon Union and the American Triathlon Confederation, Barry is immersed in and dedicated to the betterment and growth of the sport. And of course, he's in the know, and he shares so much with us today about future athletes coming up in the ranks, the possibility of the ITU Sprint Relay making its debut in the Olympics, and he clears up a subject that he takes a lot of crap on. How is USAT spending our yearly annual dues? 
We chat about what it takes to be a great race director, why jumping into Ironman as a triathlon newbie is problematic, and his motivation for getting involved with USAT when, as an early race director, had very little to do with the organization. He opens up about the hardest thing about selling the 5430 triathlons to Ironman in 2009, and what it's like to go from a big fish in a big pond to a small fish in Tucson. We talk about the almost always disappointing coverage of Ironman racing as compared to ITU coverage, and he sheds some light on why this may be. And moving into the future, he talks about the most important thing we need to focus on to continue the growth of triathlon for years to come. It was so cool to reconnect with Barry after many years and see him and Jody and their awesome pup, Jackpot. Barry is a wealth of information in regards to triathlon, and having completed more than 60 marathons and 10 Ironmans, he is no athlete to discount. An active member of Team Timex, you can find Barry strutting his stuff every week, running the local shelter dogs in Tucson. He's an awesome guy, and we're so honored to have him on the show for you guys today. The perfect accoutrement to your holiday travel to get you fired up for the 2017 triathlon season. I give to you right now our convo with Barry Sif. All right. Well, we're just going to, I've got it rolling, so we'll just keep talking and then right. so we just go your, like pretty, pretty your, free flow. Uh, what's your, per, what, what do you guys want to talk about? What's hot, what's hot on your agenda? Yeah. As USAT president. Well, you know, um, we, we, we have Maybe our budget Just a little, bit, our little budget, bit closer. Our budget meeting is uh, in, our budget meeting is in two <laughs> weeks. So that's big, you know, where we set kind of the direction of where to spend money, where to spend $17 million um, in the next year. So the budget's gone in my time from, I don't know, 11 or 12 million all the way up to 17, 18 million. Wow. We might hit 18. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But um, does it change in the Olympic year? Or no, 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 it's much no it doesn't. You know, it's uh, it's pretty stable. Uh, we're supporting. You know, when you talk about the Olympics, you're thinking, oh, spending all this money on high performance, but we spend upwards of three million a year every year on high performance, anywhere between two and a half and three million dollars, and it keeps increasing every year. So, and high performance is, you know, helping the Ben Knutes of the world and, mm -hmm. and the Gwen Jorgensen's, but also uh, kids up in Scottsdale this week, you know, getting ready, who you ought to go say hi to. We got a new crop of college recruitment people, just started last week. These are the next, you know, Katie Zafaris's and Gwen Jorgensen's and Renee Tomlin's and Kirsten Casper's, um, and hopefully some of those will have boy names. <laughs> I, know. I know i know the the u.s women are killing deep. it killing they're, and strong. they're deep it's unbelievable it really uh really deep like we have more more coming up more we have we have a couple who can run with gwen um straight out closely running with gwen you got taylor nib who's yeah. come up through the system she's, edmonton right Is yeah she, yeah she did two wts races this year and um did really well. She's like a Flora Duffy. She can swim and bike with anyone, anyone. Um, and then she'll get to develop her speed. But she's come up through the system. Mm -hmm. Her mom is a phenomenal Ironman, Leslie. And uh, she grew up with a mom who's a, you know, Kona qualifier every year. And she grew up in that environment, just started doing it herself. And, you know, that's cool to see. 
the college recruitment program is a whole nother, you know, animal that I'm sure all the other federations will start to do in the next two to three years so they can compete with our women in Tokyo. Well, and you guys are seeing them really grow up in the sport, yeah. USAT, because, you know, just you can tell that just from reading the magazine that you guys put out. Yeah. It always covers all the ages. Yeah. And so it must be exciting to get this kind of sneak preview of the future of triathlon. It is. It is. We've got some kids. I mean, I was down in Cozumel and, you know, we won the juniors, uh, men and women. I mean, first time since like 1995 that that's ever been done by one country. Um, and our, you know, Austin Hinman and, uh, and Taylor won the juniors, which is just phenomenal. And we have a great junior program. We put a lot of money into it, put a lot of emphasis on it. We've got great coaches all over the country. I think we have 40 high-performance junior squads around the country. It's a lot of stuff that um, our membership doesn't know about. You know, because we hear, you know, I get a lot of crap on social media. I get comments all the time and, you know, a lot of negative things about where, do, where does my $50 go? People griping about $50 for membership. And um, it's incredible what that does for our sport. And compared to other national governing bodies, you know, I was with Neil Henderson last week at our coaching symposium and Neil back to racing himself and he got mm -hmm. a license with USA Cycling, cost him $120. Um, and he was talking about that relative to USAT. And, um, you know, it's just people don't understand necessarily. And that's our, our problem. You know, that's our, our fault. We need to let people know what we're spending it on. Um, you know, it's high performance, it's women, it's youth. Our focus, I think our strategic plan is going to be modified shortly to really focus upon youth, women, um, high performance, and one other thing that I can't think of. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all to grow the sport. It's all to get all people involved in this sport that's oh, growing so fast. Yeah, that's all we care about. I mean, that's that's it, you know, and... and uh, some of the political crap is just that crap. All we want to do is grow the sport. I mean, I, you know, none of us get paid for this. Our staff does, but the board director is total voluntary, and we're in it to help grow the sport that we love. Everyone on that board cares about it, and um, yeah, it's all good stuff. It's fun. I think you're. I think you're so right. I don't think the members know. I. That where that money's going, like if we and we actually just found this out very recently, yeah. like if we knew that our money was going to help Ben Canute get to the Olympics or Katie Zavaris to you know live her dream, heck yeah, I'm going to spend that fifty dollars oh. a lot more liberally. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it's just they're going to sign up for their Ironman and they're like, oh god, now it's instead of it being eight hundred dollars, it's going to be eight hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and um, so what? Yeah, how about, how about the kids going to the Youth Olympic Games? Yeah. How about our kids that went to Europe this summer? Our we have teenagers that we funded to go to Europe to compete in some championships there. And our camps, our training camps, our squads, um, certifying coaches, things like that. Uh, and definitely supporting our high-performance athletes. I mean, the Olympic program. And, and a lot of people think we get that money from the U.S. Olympic Committee. We don't. We get maybe six or 700000 from them out of our you know, $17, $18 million budget. So it's a start, but we supplement that. And that's where our members' money goes. So membership is really, really important. Really it's important, important that we have a lot, of, a lot of triathletes that listen to this show. So yeah. how would they find out more about that, about where 
the money you know, is there's being spent. A, on our site, which is usatriathlon.org, um, I can't point to it right this second, but there is a, a page that says what, what where do your member membership dues go toward, you know, and it talks about all the, it talks about the benefits, but it also does talk about where it goes. But I think we need to do a much better job at that. We need to really let people know, because some people, unlike you, will say, I, I don't want to support, I don't care about Ben Canute going to the Olympics, I don't care about Gwen Jorgensen, if they want to become a pro, let them become a pro. Okay, fine. How about letting kids do, you know, triathlons when they're right. younger in schools? Rob Urbach, our CEO, is embarking upon a really cool program that may involve as many as 20,000 middle school kids <gasps> in one community. And he's very close to pulling that thing together. Um, I hope it's not con it's not confidential, but <laughs> I think he would have told me. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, things like that, being able to produce programs like that, uh, is what we're all about, and uh, it's just good for the sport. If you care about the sport, you ought to you ought to support the organization. Of course, we ensure all the all the events. I mean, secondarily, I mean that's one of the biggest benefits we do. I mean, we've had, as you know, a lot of fatalities. I mean, you know, in Boulder, we had mm -hmm. the, the the crash in Boulder, and we've had a lot of swim fatalities over the last several years. And if race directors and and all of us didn't have insurance to cover that, uh, sport would be going nowhere nowhere fast and and we we support them all i mean we ensure all the ironman races you know when ironman arizona takes place uh this month um and if there are any accidents that require insurance coverage that's usa triathlon that's what we do so that's another aspect we put out the magazine every quarter it's the largest magazine in the world um it's a great magazine. The rankings. The yeah, the rankings. Rankings yeah. are important. That's something I never cared about. So when I was, before I got into this governance thing, yeah. um, you know, especially living in Boulder, Boulder's pretty insulated, I think, from USA, or was at least during my time, from USA Triathlon, because we were Boulder. You know, we were our own federate. We're our, the People's Republic, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, no one else matters. Right. No one else matters. So when... <laughs> When I heard about age group national championship, if you lived in Boulder back in the you know 90s and early 2000s, you said, well, we have the Boulder Peak and all the best athletes in the Boulder Peak. Yeah. If you win the Boulder Peak, you're the best age grouper in the right. country. Well, come to find out, you know, I can remember when Drew Scott uh, was at CU, you know, and he was phenomenal and he went to age group nationals and got beat. And that's when my eyes got opened and I saw that, you know, the times at age group nationals are just unbelievable and the competition there and we support that that's a huge deal and rankings are really really important i never i've been doing this sport for over 30 years and i never knew what a ranking i had no idea and all of a sudden now i you know i care about it and i mm -hmm. see it and i understand it and and a lot of people you know do that team usa is another aspect you know going to represent the united states you, know, you can't go necessarily to rio but you could go to Cozumel and wear that Team USA uniform, and, and over 600 people did that this year in Cozumel. Uh, I went to Avales, Spain. I represented. I was on the duathlon team, and and um, I think we had like two or three hundred people in Spain wow. doing a duathlon wearing Team USA kits. So those are all things that USA Triathlon does, which are all pretty good. And you know, I'm also on the ITU executive board, which is really big, and um, I get to see what the rest of the world looks like and, and, and we're really good <laughs> i mean we are big we're strong the programs we have are fantastic but we have a lot to learn i mean europe does some great things uh, uh 
Um, and, and I think being able to be on the ITU board helps uh, us at USAT understand what's going on in the world, too. So all like Hamburg and yeah. Stockholm and visiting all those races, that gives yeah. you a good I get to go picture. to some of them, you know, okay. uh, only when we have a meeting. If we have a meet, <laughs> we have like only three or four meetings a year, and they're usually at races. So this last year, um, I don't remember, but well, we in Leeds. Leeds okay. was cool. Um, had a great opportunity there to, uh, I'm very, very close with Team GB, Great Britain team, really close with their leadership uh, and also their athletes. Uh, much closer with the Great Britain athletes, I hate to say, than our team. Really? Yeah, really close with them on not only on social media, but personally. I've gotten to know yeah. them really, really well. So I went to you know, their track workout the week of the race. Oh, fine. Brownleys and non stanford Oh, my God. They wanted, they, I rode my bike to it. So I was in my bike kit. Uh, you know, I saw the Brownleys running, you know, their 61 second quarters, the week of a race, eight of them. And, uh, you know, it's just really impressive. But you do learn a lot how they, how they organize. I mean, for example, they all train together. Five out of their six Olympians are, are in Leeds. They train together like we used to do in Colorado Springs. Mm. We don't have anything like that. You know, they had press conference. I went to their press conference when they announced their team for the Olympics. We didn't have a press conference mm. because, you know, Gwen's in Australia and Katie's in Spain and, you know, Ben's, in, Ben's in New Mexico <laughs> somewhere and, you know, everybody's all over the place and here in, in, um, in Great Britain, they're all together. So it's different. So why has that changed, do you think? You said we, we used to do that in Colorado Springs. Why, is that, why has that changed? Well, I think it's changed for the good. I mean, as evidenced by our gold medal and as evidenced by our standings in the, in the world. I mean, we could have fielded, we're so good on the women's side, I think it's well known now that we could have fielded two three-person teams. We qualified strong enough that we, we could have, and there were only six countries, I think, that had... Um, three people from men and women. Mm -hmm. We could have had two of those teams on the women's side. Uh, you know, four years ago, we had a high-performance summit uh, where we sat around a table with about 15 really smart people, and we talked about, you know, the fact that since 2000, we'd only gotten the bronze medal, and, you know, that is horrible considering our size and our capabilities and the money we have, and what can we do differently? And we talked about the importance of these daily training environments and having, um, allowing athletes to go to different coaches outside the United States. Um, and that's what, you know, we've really built upon. So you had Katie and Sarah at the time, Sarah left Joel, but, you know, they were training with mm -hmm. Joel Filio and others with Darren Smith and others with Paulo Sousa and others, you know, all over the world, um, Neil Henderson, et cetera. And, and, uh, Letting them do what they what they want to do because some coaches are good with some and some aren't. And then also that just the the internal, um, you know, Great Britain it seems to be working really well. They all get along really well. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we Americans get along. We don't play in the sandbox all that well. I don't think together, maybe as well. So, uh, well, I think whatever we're doing is working at least on the women's side. And now our next step uh, and in you know, next few weeks we'll have another summit for the quad, you know, for the, every four years. What can we do differently? And obviously the thing we need to do differently is something with the men. What are we going to do? So we have some good ideas and hopefully in 
two or three years, Barry Shepley will be talking on the <laughs> broadcast about, boy, the Americans have figured it out. Like he talked about how we figured out the women's side. Yeah, Susan, Susan Williams. Yep, Susan Williams. Targeted, you know, Gwen yeah. as a swimmer. And, yeah. And no, 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 Barb Lindquist. Oh, Barb Lindquist. Barb Lindquist. Yeah. Bar- Susan Williams was the one who won the bronze medal. Okay. The only previous medal won by us. Um, and even though, you know, Gwen's achievement is just off the charts awesome, but we have two medals, you know, in 16 years. So we still have a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. But it's Barb Lindquist is in charge of our college recruitment program. Oh, she, cool. Mm-hmm. So and she spotted Gwen? She spotted Gwen. And, and uh, literally, uh, yeah, she spotted all these girls. I mean, Renee Tomlin and Kirsten Casper and all the rest. And she finds uh, swim runners, people who are at the collegiate level swimming and running at very, very high levels. Uh, with little or zero cycling experience. Um, many of them have zero cycling experience. And several of them, as a result, you know, had early on crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember one one year where we put them in, you know, they up in Scottsdale and they went into these weekly criteriums, like early in their cycling career. And at least two people had some pretty serious accidents and you know, we learned from that, obviously, right. but we threw them in and started teaching them cycling. And if you remember the early years of Gwen, I mean, she got dropped on the bike a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, of course, she can do anything on the bike. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been, but that's Barbara Lindquist finding those people. And we found Gwen. Uh, in fact, uh, Gwen joined the Timex uh, multi-sport team. I can remember vividly at the New York Giants training camp when we were there. Uh, here's this tall, lanky girl, and we did VO2 max tests on treadmills. Tim Hole and I were warming up on the bikes, and here's Gwen on a treadmill. Oh, I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. (laughs) I've told this story a million times, but I left the room. I'm warming up for my test, but I literally left the room with my phone, called Jody, my wife, uh, and had her Google, who the hell is Gwen Jorgensen? And she Googled her, and she was, you know, a really good collegiate runner, but Nothing jumped off yeah. the charts. She was like, nobody yet. Yeah, nobody yet. And uh, the rest is history. And USAT um, called her up and said, hey, you want to be a triathlete? I said, sure. And they gave her to Cindy Bannock um, as a coach because she was in Wisconsin. And Cindy's a really mm-hmm. great coach. We found her a coach and said, we're going to train you to be a triathlete. And Cindy took her from 2009 through 2012 and, and, or 2010, 9 or 10, through the Olympics in London. And Cindy got her that far. And then she needed to go to the next level. And that's when she went to Jamie. And I think it's really important that you guys are supporting the athletes in seeking out the coaches that work best for them. Mm-hmm. So we just, mm-hmm. we actually sat down with Siri Lindley mm-hmm. in, um, in Boulder and we read her book. Mm-hmm. And she talks about that that was a really big struggle for her when she was training with Brett Sutton, that she didn't feel supported by USAT at all. So I just finished the book too. Oh, okay. Writing, so you know I'm, what I'm, we I'm know. In fact writing a, <laughs> I'm in fact writing a book review on it for a major magazine because um, I loved, I'm going back to writing, which I used to do a lot of. Um, so, and we've known Siri from way back, Yeah. but I didn't know about that, did not Oh, interesting. Uh, but others did because I, I was with some people last week who confirmed a lot of the things. Um, yeah, it was horrible. I, I, you know, I only wish I knew when I helped induct her into the Hall of Fame last year, I guess, last yep. year, yep. yeah, uh, that I could have made a few more comments about, about that. 
because, uh, yeah, it's a shame, you know. But on the other hand, you know, Jody also read the book and was really upset about that, you know, USA Triathlon. And I, I can somewhat understand back then, you know, you had this team, like I said, all, all together in Colorado Springs, all, you know, the yeah, family feeling. she was going feeling. against the grain. She went against the grain and they said, okay, fine, if you want to do that, you're on your own. You know, obviously we're the opposite now. We're, we're saying whatever mm-hmm. you want to do as long as you perform. You know, if you perform, then we're going to support right. you. Yeah. And that's how we're based right now. As soon as, now that you've got Summer Cook, for example, you know, winning so much, um, she's going to get more support. She's going to get uh, financial support, which she wasn't getting, you know, six months ago. Now she's going to get it because she's performing. And, and I think that's what we're really looking at. And so you've been a race director for a long time too. Yeah, and yeah. being on the USAT side as yeah. well, do you, have you had any moments of like, aha, uh-huh, like maybe something that you were frustrated with as a race director now makes sense? You know, when I was a race director, again, I was in Boulder. So I didn't even know. I knew that Jody filled out forms to get sanctioned, <laughs> but I didn't know our region, you know, this Rocky Mountain region thing oh, yeah. and a regional council and, you know, we just put on races. I mean, yeah. we weren't USAT-centric at all. Um, and it wasn't until I went to a race director conference in Colorado Springs. I don't even know why I went. Um, I had had a, actually some run-ins with USAT in my early years of race directing right, where they weren't supporting winter triathlon. Mm. I, wanted, I thought winter triathlon could be the next Olympic sport. I thought it was awesome, and the Winter Olympics I thought were boring, and here we could have a, a run, bike, skate, ski, you know, triathlon, and couldn't get any support. So I basically said I didn't need them, and they didn't need me, you know. And But then I went to this race director symposium, and if you remember our races, we were very environmentally conscious and very, very sustainable. We, in fact, still own the trademark to try sustainability. And I went to this conference, and the race director committee um, were voting against a policy that would recommend to race directors across the country that they be green, that they have green events, that they try their best to recycle, try their best to be environmentally conscious, and, and just recommend that as a policy. No mandates. And they voted it down. Ooh. And Jeff Henderson and I were standing with each other, and we were beside ourselves. And that's when I said, I need to get involved. Mm. And that was how I got involved. And I got on the race director committee that weekend. And then I became the chair of that committee the next year, and then got on the board of directors immediately thereafter. So, you know, you've got to get involved. And I've learned how the organization operates. you know, as a race director, they were always there. We had a fatality in 2005 or six, um, a swim fatality, and it was devastating to me. A couple of other serious accidents, and I went through a really, really hard time. USAT was there to support support us, not only financially, but, but you know, psychologically and in every possible way, so I gained a lot of respect that way also for USA Triathlon. So I've learned a lot about what they what they do, but I had no idea when I was just a race, race director. director putting on races, yeah. 
Well, you put on some awesome races, and yeah, we, good, huh? oh my gosh, Boulder well, I mean, Boulder Peak, come on, Best like, ever. and it's Best. so true, like, we, we lived there from 2001 to yeah. 2010, mm-hmm. and um, you're right, we Best were like, ever. there's nowhere, we, there's nowhere else we need to be but right here, and when we went to Boulder a couple weeks ago, we were there, first thing we did, we arrived after driving from Louisville, Kentucky, we arrived the next morning, got on our bikes and did the Boulder Old Peak stage. course. Yeah, yeah like Old three stage. miles into the, three coming miles from, into the ride going right up Old Stage. Coming from sea level too, we were like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, <laughs> it, a was cla- it was a classic race, it's no longer a classic race, it's a, um, been one of my biggest uh disappointments in the sale to Ironman. I'm very open about that. I've had many conversations with um, with Ironman about it, and I tried to take those races back. I'll be, I'll be very open about that. Um, early on, I wanted the sprint and the peak back uh, because I saw the numbers going nowhere. And, you know, we had 1,800 people sold out. You know, oh, we'd sell out. Within weeks. So yeah, yeah, you had to get registered. 1,800 and now, you know, the sprint went down to 350, and now it's no longer in existence. And oh. the peak went down to 650 <gasps> last year. Oh, that's un- that was unheard of in the time that yeah. we were there. So, so you know, we you know, I took away the prize money. So, and that's lifetime more than, than Ironman, unfortunately. And, um, you know, you're in Boulder, Colorado, and there isn't a professional race there. The, that- the professional part of the Boulder Peak was amazing because we would all have finished our race and then we're hanging out. You know, you're keeping the community there. Yeah. And then the way that you did Set the, up the um, run back the and forth. Yeah, back and forth like- six times and the announcer right. right there. And, you know, I had goosebumps thinking about it. it was, yeah, yeah, me too. too. It was, it was it, amazing. It I was. Mean, it you was- know, you had 2,000, 3,000 people on the sidelines yep. watching the pros. The pros loved it. And you had the best pros in the world. And, and you know, I'm convinced, absolutely convinced, that if they, you know, if, if we were to be able to bring that back, uh, we'd get 1,800 people signed up, we'd and you'd get those pros back, and we'd get all the pros back. We had 35, and we had 35 thousand dollars in prize money for that race that came out of our pocket, and the race was still enormously profitable. And the entry fee was 90 dollars, and. I'm still convinced, you know, it doesn't have to be a $200 entry fee and all this. You can make money on these races if you do it right. And I, I think that right now that's the biggest challenge um, in the independent race directors because it is becoming more expensive uh, to put on events, I hear. Um, and and the independent races are going going away a little bit. I mean, Wildflower going down was just, oh, my God. That was just recent. That was like just two weeks two ago, weeks right? Ago, yeah. Terry Davis and family is walking away now they had the the water issues there that caused their numbers to go down but their numbers weren't that great even before the water issue it started i think and the pros were walking away from it you know back in the day all the pros went to wildflower it was the one to yeah it was the one to go to and then then iron man put on uh the race i think it's in utah uh st george st george opposite the same weekend as wildflower and that cut big Mm -hmm. time into it and so all you had was Jesse Thomas going out there every year and winning. And, right. and other than that, you just didn't have the names. And I think there's, and there's a debate. I mean, you know, what is the value of pros to draft, uh, non-draft racing? Is there a value to having professionals? I feel there is. There are a lot of people who feel they don't bring anything, any value. There are race directors who don't feel they bring any value. And, um, and obviously, you know, Lifetime has said that. 
because uh, they have the money to be able to do it, and they've taken the money purses out of a lot of their races. So it's disappointing. It, 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 it just said Louisville, and Louisville had no pros in the age group the, race. Uh, it was an age group race. Right. And when it first came out, I think Maryland was one of the first ones to do it. And it was like, okay, an age grouper is going to win yeah. the entire thing. But I like to watch the pros and I like to be out there. Well, look at with, Boulder, even Boulder. You know, the first year of Boulder, they had almost 3,000 people registered because it was the new race, you know, Boulder. The Ironman. Ironman, yep. excuse me, mm -hmm. Ironman. And then they took the pros away. Justin Dare won it the first year. Took the pros away. The numbers went down to, I think, 2,000. In this past year, they had 1,400. Ironman Boulder, 1,400 people. But Ironman Boulder and take the pros away? They took the pros away. That doesn't away. even make any so sense. So I think they're coming back in 2017, maybe. I'm, I haven't yeah. seen the announcement. It doesn't but. even make any sense because, I mean, the one thing that we loved about it, the Boulder Peak especially, is like, you'd see like um, Tim or and Nicole, Wellington, like Tim yeah. and Nicole DeBoom riding their bikes to the to race. To the race. Joanna yeah. Zeiger said it was always, you know, Joanna <laughs> totally. lives like a mile yeah. from the right, course. Right. So she could have breakfast, go race. Go back and shower before the awards. I mean, it was, yeah, it was cool. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know. And I would think Boulder can still support that, but other people don't think so, I guess. No, I, I think it could. I mean, it's a really strong, it's a strong community, just us being there. And, you know, we sat down with Neil and we sat down with Siri yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, we, we took advantage of everything Boulder while we were there, bike yeah. fits and, you know, getting in the, the um, <laughs> endless retool. pool. Retool and, without Yeah, it, went yeah. to retool. Yeah. Scratch that, labs. That triathlon mm -hmm. community Roca. is... The, yeah. So bad. I yeah, went to Roca. Roca. Yep. <laughs> the, um, that community is, is still really, really strong. Yeah, of course it is. It's a very strong it triathlon It's the community. coolest. It, it's, you know... There are parts of it that we miss. You know, obviously, we're, we're here in Tucson for... Three reasons, weather, weather, weather. Um, yeah. Jody, we it. found out that Jody does not like the cold no, at all. Unbelievable. We, were, <laughs> we went away this weekend and we were supposed to go to Flagstaff. And on Friday morning, we looked at the forecast and it was 68 for high in Flagstaff, 82 in Sedona. We went to Sedona. <laughs> I mean, 68 was too cold for her. But um, Boulder's great. You know, I'll give you another example of what makes Boulder so great. Uh, this last, one of the greatest trail runners in America, uh, Dave Mackey, uh, yep. Yep. had his, had is having his leg amputated today. today. Yeah. And last night there was a foot signing party. <laughs> now, I mean, where else, where else would a hundred, I don't know how many people showed. I looked at the pictures and, uh, you know, to have a party, when someone's getting their leg amputated and you sign it and Dave's la you know, I mean, it, it, that's the community. It's just the support. Yeah. Um, it's not the altitude because I always said, you know, Colorado Springs and, and Fort Collins have yeah. equal at altitude. They have great cycling in both those cities. They have great running trails. They probably have better pools, um, but they're not Boulder. In Boulder, it's the community. It's, it's Amante, it's the massage therapists. Oh my mm -hmm. God, the massage therapists. I mean, you, you know. The, I was a massage therapist in Boulder. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I had the some. competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, the way I used to say it is as a massage therapist, like if you aren't, if you aren't top notch, right. you're not going to last. Not a chance. No. And not I chance. had 
yeah. Ironman champions on yeah. my table yeah. and, and all of that. And yeah. then we left and we moved back to New England and got a lot of bad massages. I, you know, there's I'm the just, same, there's I'm the nothing like it. I, you know, I, I hear from people, oh, this is the best massage therapist. You know, you, you're going to love them. And, and, you know, they're good. They're fine. But it isn't Josh Shadel, you know, or. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, he went, we both, him and I went, both went to the same school. We went to the Boulder College of Massage Therapy, uh-huh, which uh-huh. was an amazing school. Great Unfortunately, school. they've since shut down. I um, and I, I think they've, some of the teachers actually have started another have school. Yeah. Really talented teachers but, but there. Just but just that yeah. whole support, you know, acupuncture was another thing that we did a lot of yeah. there. And we finally found something here in Tucson that's really, really good. But. Um, it's it's, the it's whole, that whole community. It's, it's, the, whole it's the food, community. the ability to eat really yep. well. It's it's uh, and it's the social aspect. I think to a degree, you know, we we definitely miss that. Some of the parties we would have, uh, you know, at Wolfgang's house or our Christmas, our, the annual Christmas party, which was just off the charts. I can picture Dave Scott standing on top of a pool table playing Santa Claus. And <laughs> kind, kind, maybe a little tipsy even, believe maybe. it or not. And, unconfirmed. And, uh, unconfirmed. For one day, jello, jello shots flying all over the place. And it was just a good good place. Well, I remember being at the Med the day, like the week after Maca won Kona and like there was quite a scene there, you know, everybody yeah. at the Med. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's just, you never know. And, and um, you know, Racing the fifty four thirty long course, mm-hmm. um, it was always great to do the sprint, the peak, and the long course, I, and having Chrissy Wellington go by me. You know, it's and just get beat like, and got beat by Julie Dibbins. Yeah, yeah. where was, else? Was her, you know, where else would she get beat? Right. Where uh, else are you going to see that that absolutely. parade of characters if you're not in Kona? Where yeah. else? Yeah, and no, it was yeah, just short of Kona. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing I never understood. I mean, you know, the it was so. You know, we had the sprint in June, the Olympic distance in July, and the half in September, or in August, excuse me. Yeah. And people could start in the sport of triathlon and grow that way. And you didn't have to go anywhere. You didn't have to travel. So, the again, I always use Tim Hole as an example, or mm-hmm. Kelly Learcall, whoever, you know, or Diane Castle from from uh, oh, Fort yeah. Collins. Yeah. These are names. These people now are traveling all over the place. You didn't have to back then. No. So, but it's a different day. Yeah. Feel like an old guy looking back and saying the good old days, but they were pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. So now it's um, you know, there's so much chat on the interwebs about yeah. like Iron Man, and mm-hmm. you know, so many people are really skipping this whole ladder of distances, and they're jumping. Big problem. Yeah. That's the third arm on our strategic plan, short course racing. Thank you. Oh, good. (laughs) Women, youth, and short course racing. Oh, perfect. Huge. Um, And we're going to invest a lot more in in the marketing of short course racing. I think that's the problem. Uh, We don't have television. Jody and I haven't had TV for 14 years. Oh, 14 oh I years. think we're pretty, I think uh, we're rivaling yeah. you. I think <laughs> so, it's been about so that long. So we've missed some things, not a lot, but we were on Netflix recently and saw CrossFit, the CrossFit games, mm-hmm. and we thought that was pretty cool. So we went to check out a CrossFit gym. I walked in, and within two minutes, the head of the gym is pointing me to this guy, Cisco Gonzalez, and says, he wants to do triathlon. You ought to meet him. So Cisco. I meet Cisco. And, and Cisco comes up, oh, he's all fired up, you know, he wants to do triathlon, and, 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 uh, but he doesn't know if he can, you know, put in that much time. I said, it doesn't take that much. He said, man, but you're out there racing for 12, 13, 14 hours. It takes forever. 
And that's all he literally, you know, we hear these stories, but I literally faced a guy who thought triathlon is Ironman and had no concept of what a sprint triathlon was, none, zero. Um, and, and when I told him about so four weeks later, he did a sprint triathlon. And he's now done three triathlons here in, in uh, Arizona, and he's, he's addicted. And he, he, you know, keeps asking me when he can do an Ironman. You know I'm saying? And maybe two or three years, he can grow up to it. But yeah, short course racing is, is suffering as a result, you know, and, and, uh, you know, God bless Ironman. They great business. It's great marketing. Great marketing. Great marketing. Their logo. Yeah. Yeah. Permanently on their skin. Yes. Who, what other brand? What other brand can do that? Although I did read yesterday on our team USA page of someone, uh, Putting USA, either Team USA or USA Triathlon oh. on as a, as a tattoo. There you go. Yeah, check that out. Watch, <laughs> watch out, heard, Iron Man. I know, watch out, Iron Man. <laughs> watch out, Iron Man. But I mean, the, the power of Iron Man and this brand that they've created. I mean, we've even been witness to people doing 140.6 distances, right? Yeah. And then having the Iron Man logo tattooed on them. Which is mm, that's interesting. Wow. That, Not that only is, does yeah, Iron yeah, Man yeah, yeah, yeah. own Iron Man, but yeah. they are owning yeah. other races. Yeah. They're yeah. owning the distance when they're not really even Yeah, really interesting. Well, the great thing about Iron Man, especially, you know, again from the ITU level, um, the growth worldwide has been phenomenal. It hasn't been in the United States. We've been flat or a little bit of a decrease in the last year, believe it or not. But, you know, you look at South America and you look at the number of Ironman events going into South America from four years ago to today. It's unbelievable. And of course, China, which is going to be the next, you know, huge area for our sport. So if you look at triathlon worldwide and say, is Ironman good for triathlon? They're fantastic for triathlon. I mean, the growth has been nothing short of phenomenal. And the competitors, the people, the, the, large companies are trying to compete haven't been able to do anything you know to see it grow like that in south Af- south america south africa mm-hmm. i said but that is growing tremendously and they're bringing the 70.3 world championships to south africa and china of course the growth will be off the charts huge off the charts huge and and that's just great for our sport we've got to match that in north america we've got to match it in the united states and um we are committed to doing that. You know, we've got to just do better marketing of short course racing and help our race directors figure out how to make money at it. Um, here in Tucson, you know, it's all cool swims. There's only one lake that has, or two lakes that can have a little bit of a of a triathlon. But cool swims are good. You know, I of course, if you live in Boulder, you think cool swims aren't real triathlons. <laughs> The Fort uh, Collins, I think, was that. Fort Collins? Yeah, that was yeah. my first triathlon. Yeah, epic. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was my first triathlon. Really? At, actually. Wendy Mater's two thousand and Yeah, 2004, I watched BJ do the Boulder Peak. And I sat there. I was studying uh, for my anatomy and physiology final with uh, at BCMT. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, doing my... my uh, flashcards. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in this. And somebody asked me like, oh, you're going to do one. And I said, I will never, ever, ever do a triathlon (laughs) ever. And then, so that was in July. And in September, I was on the starting line at Fort Collins. Collins. And um, so I'm going on 12 years in the sport and just absolutely, it's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Fort Collins had a great community. I I lived in Fort Collins for a while. When I moved to Colorado, that's where I lived first. That's a cool and, place. Yeah, cool we put on um, an adventure race 
uh, in Fort Collins at Horsetooth, 24-hour race. Mm-hmm. It's jackpot. Um, Jackpot's dreaming, dreaming. totally dreaming. Uh, 24-hour adventure race at Horsetooth Reservoir. What did that constitute? Paddling across the reservoir, uh, we actually rep- uh, we we did a, a traverse to row in traverse across the tooth the, nice. of the horse tooth. Yeah, we went across it, you know, hand over fist. Oh, right. oh wow! And then rappelled off the backside. <laughs> nice. And all hiking in between, you know. So you paddle. I think the first section was paddling. Then you had to run up to the tooth, go on the ropes, rappel down, go on a mountain bike ride for maybe fifty, sixty miles. Um, orienteering, uh, it's a lot of trekking, mountain biking, paddling. Well, your background was as an adventure, adventure racer. Racing. Yeah, started in triathlon in 1986. What was the first triathlon you did? Uh, I, you know, I think it was called the Freudian Fugue. Uh, <laughs> it was at some you pool. learned a lot about yourself. <laughs> exactly, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some pool swim, and then I know I went down to Lawrence, Kansas, and Omaha had a really good. I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and we had a really strong triathlon community in the eighties, nice. really strong. And I quickly got five people put together, and we had a sponsored triathlon team in the mid eighties. Wow! And uh, very successful. Raced a lot in that area in Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska. Uh, yeah, did triathlon until. Um, uh, to, uh, until 1998, when I started doing the adventure racing, did that full time for six years. And then, what brought you back to triathlon? Um, oh, Jody. Well, the, the the adventure racing got when Eco Challenge went out of business. When Mark Burnett, you know, he yeah. owns uh, he owned Eco Challenge. He started Eco Challenge, and he was Eco Challenge. And then, when Survivor became so successful. He walked away from Eco Challenge. So 2002 was the last year of Eco Challenge. It was Eco Challenge Fiji. And then Primal Quest came along and thought they could take the place of Eco Challenge. So we did that race in 2003 and it just wasn't anywhere yeah. the same. So we all retired. Our team retired. And I um, had the opportunity to buy the 5430 Triathlon in, uh, in Boulder, Colorado which was a 250-person half Ironman, and we bought it and turned it into 5430 Sports. So, yeah, that's how. And then I started back into doing triathlons again. Not only did, you know, you were a race director in Boulder, but you were a really good race director in Boulder. Yeah, you thanks. guys, I mean, were just known for putting on spectacular events. So what do you think it takes to put on, like, a good quality race? You know, when you said that, I, I think of the things that we did away from the race. You know, when you rode up to Ward and you got to the top of Ward and you went in that little shop and got mm-hmm. a cookie, we sponsored the water in there. We we bought the water. So when you went in there, and now Bob Cranny took it over after we left, but um, we bought the water and we'd pay the guy like 100 bucks so we could put a little sign on the water saying, Water courtesy of 5430 Sports. We had a volunteer party um, at the end of the year. Uh, and I can remember the volunteers of the year, we gave away airline tickets. We gave away watches. We gave away shoes. We had so many raffle things for the volunteers. Iron Man viewing party. We, every year when Iron Man was on television oh. on NBC, we had a viewing party. 200 people. We would have <laughs> 200 people. We would have free beer, free food, raffle prizes. 
And Maka came one year. Norman Stadler came one year. Uh, the pro, Maka came the year that he actually won. And he, he was there when it was on television for the first time. He's speaking, you know, and, and <laughs> That's so, those cool. are, so it's those things away from the race. A lot of people put on really good races, but it's the other stuff. It's the environmental stuff. It's the fact that we recycled power bar wrappers, you mm-hmm. know, that people would bring in tire tubes, you know, to be recycled. Mm-hmm. It was the idea that we were solar powered. Um, first race at, you know, we were totally solar powered, uh, totally off the grid. So, I mean, it's that, that stuff. And then, of course, the signage was great and the prizes were great. I mean, we had $15,000 prize money for our age groupers, largest age group prize purse in the United States over the three races. So Wendy Mader, Mark Van Ackeren, uh, other people got $2,500 cash as an age grouper. Wow. Uh, for winning the series. And where do you see that ever? You don't see it. And yeah. the thing I keep telling, and if you won, and of course Jody's awards were famous, you know, her handmade oh, yeah. awards. Oh, yeah. She would always make the awards every famous, year. And I keep, yeah. we keep getting letters about those awards. And you go into some of the pros' houses and their Iron Man trophies were non, you couldn't find them, but you could find her, you know, stone sculptures or her clock made out of bike parts. <laughs> and And people would win, you know, running shoes or watches or sunglasses and, you know, we'd always have a lot of prizes. And the thing was, we still made a lot of money. I mean, so you can you can do all that stuff and still make money. Do you ever have race directors reach out to you for, for help? No. <laughs> they should. You've got a you know, really good recipe. They, 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 no, no, not really. Not is really. it so much, is it too much... Has it moved too much towards a business model versus because all these things that you're talking about, these extra things, the water, yeah. it seems like you're building you're building that community of fifty four thirty, which involves which it is a twelve month thing. It's not just it's a twelve month. The, oh, one the month. other example in Kona, we would go to Kona every every year, and we would have four, four huge banners fifty four thirty sports uh, congratulates our athletes, and everyone's name would be on the banner. And we would have them strategically around the course and on the king cam. The front of the king cam, we would get a room and we hang it on the balcony facing the course. Everybody saw 5430 sports. No one has ever done that. And it was free mark. It was incredible marketing. We brought all our used swim, all our extra swim caps. You know, you have to order. So if you have a race where 1,800 people, you know, register, you got to buy like 2,000 swim caps. Realistically, 1,800 people register, 1,500 show up. If you sell out way in advance mm-hmm. like we did. So you get all these extra swim caps. We brought them to Kona every year. So for the practice swim, by come Wednesday or Thursday, everyone's wearing 5430 swim caps. We handed them out at the, at the thing. And they'd be all over the place. So it's, it's creative things like that. And it's just that 12 month of the year. Thing is, you got to do it full time. So we worked full time. You know, seven days a week. It's all we but did. it showed. All we did. It, and it showed. showed. Yeah, and it for paid, sure. And it paid off. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I think it can be done again. There are people um, who I know really well who don't think it can be done again. You know, they think we were in the right place at the, you know, in Boulder, the right place at the right time. Um, I'd take a good bet that it could be done again. <laughs> I think so. You know, there's um, Tony and Lance from Without Limits. Yeah. They do a great job. And the, the they funny learned, is, They learned from us. Yeah, I'm sure they Lance, did. They, Lance used to come... That's Way right. before they ever did a race, put on a race, he would show up at our races and he wouldn't be right. He'd just be watching. 
Yeah. Just be watching. And yeah. He, he learned a lot. Yeah. And they've been, they've been in business for a while. They had, didn't they, weren't they the ones that had the rattlesnake? Didn't they no, do the rattlesnake? That's Jim Flynn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when, when we arrived job. back in New England, begrudgingly, after leaving Boulder, um, you know, we were like, all right, well, let's seek out the triathlon community. And we show up at like the first... Hyannis. S- yeah, like the Hyannis sprint. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, Lance and Tony are here, you yeah. know? <laughs> we're like, oh my God. That's crazy. It was, mi- it was awesome. That and I don't even... Weird. Are they still doing it? I don't even know, but... They're I, helping manage. It was like, it was like Boulder giving us a little hug. Yeah, yeah that's It neat. really, really helped. Isn't that funny? But, um, but yeah, I think those guys are... And they're kind of getting into some off-road stuff. And yeah, and they do cycling. Yeah, they're doing a whole races. bunch of different I keep stuff. I definitely watch, keep my eye on Boulder a lot. And they, they do a very good job. Darren Eisman does a good job, but they all do small races. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing with race directors. So when I... I was down in Florida at a race last year, and, and I said, you know, it's a great race, really nice, 300 people. I, I, I know it comes across arrogant, but I say, it's you know, it's a nice kind of fun run kind of feeling. It's fun. But if you want to have a business, you got 1,500 people. you got 1,800 people, and you got yeah. to grow it, and you got to make it big, and there are ways to do that. And people like Tony Lant, I mean, they're, they're working their butts off. Darren Eisman too. And in, in racing mm-hmm. underground, you know, oh, yeah, racing underground forever, right. way before us. And he's yeah. still doing it and putting on a bunch of races with, you know, a few hundred people per race. And that's fun and it's great. And it, they're really fun races. But if you want to, you know, make it a business and you want to, you know, make some more financial gains, you, you know, whatever, and create these events that aren't, around anymore you got to have numbers yeah and that's like the big running races and big you can have big triathlons yep well and i think it really was the perfect storm and i don't it was i i think that it probably could be recreated but you and jody were such a big part of that perfect storm you know of, of why it was so successful so was it what was the hardest part about walking away from all of it, including Boulder, including leaving Boulder, but walking away from the races that you really nurtured and... and The uh, hardest part was seeing what happened to them. See, I know. Um, I can remember uh, the first, the next year, you know, 2009 we sold and we helped with the events. Yeah. we came back in 2010 and went to the sprint. Jody couldn't go. She, she wouldn't go to the race. She physically couldn't go. So I got on my scooter and I, I I went over to the res, you know, whatever, six o'clock, seven o'clock that morning, maybe five thirty. I shouldn't say seven o'clock, five thirty, five o'clock. They had my reserve space. It was so nice of them. I thought, oh my God, these people are so nice. It said reserve Barry Siff, race director, and you know, my space. Yeah. And I thought that was great. And I got off my scooter and there's this gigantic line. This is on Saturday, day before the race, mm-hmm. where you pack it pickup. And the line was was enormous. And and we never had lines. I I was like, what the? And immediately when people see me, they come running up and saying, "You got to do something." So I called. <laughs> Help us, I, take called, it back. I called Jody, and she came down and got with their registration people, and they looked at where the bottleneck was, and they got more people and and helped. But you know, we saw how it was run, and 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 it was a learning curve. Dave Kristen, the current race director, is awesome. He he, uh, although he wasn't the race director for I think the peak this year, they they changed it again. Um, but he's he's great. His heart's in the right place. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest disappointment seeing what's happened. It's been really disheartening to see what happened to the peak, 
to see the spring go away. Um, you know, it's hard. That, that was hard. But, you know, life, life goes on. You know? Yeah, you got to, um, you know, you got you to gotta detach. Yeah, and we miss That's... being, uh, you know, I have a big ego, so it's nice <laughs> being somebody. And now, you know, <laughs> nobody in Tucson, you know, has any idea. And, 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 you know, you were the guy, you know, you walked in Kona uh, and you knew everybody. Yeah. And now you don't know everybody and, and you don't even know the pros. I mean, I've walked away to a large extent. You know, I didn't know half of the pros on the start list at Kona this year. And back then you knew all of them because they did your races. Right, right. So it's, it's a bit different. It's hard. That's a bit hard. And it will be hard walking away from the sport at some point. You know, I've got a couple of years left on the USAT board. And uh, see what happens. Is there is there an opportunity to do something similar here, or do you even have no. the passion to do something here? No, we won't do anymore. We did start. We started this race up at the resort right around the corner here with a water slide start. I have saw you that you this? slide. We started the start. That, that sounds you, amazing. You, you line up for a water slide. <laughs> you go down the slide every ten seconds. Someone goes down and into a lazy river, and you swim against the current two laps. That's awesome. And then it's a bike run. And that's fun, but we've given that even to someone else to put on because, again, Jody's burned out from it all. And you guys are done. We're done, you know. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're not going to do it like we, you did it before, the then problem. don't do it. Yeah, you we know? tried to put on a race, um, and we did a very, very bad job at it back in Colorado. Very bad job because you're absolutely right, Jess. I mean, you got to do it 100%. Yeah, especially and people like key. you guys. Like, that's the key. Same with us. You've got to give everything you got to make to be successful, no matter what you're doing. And it's got to be your heart and soul and passion. And we didn't have that, and we don't have it anymore. So I think our heart and soul passion is much like yours, living simply. It sounds living like uh, Jody's simply. ready to get She's rid ready. of everything. <laughs> she is ready. She's ready to get in the bus and just yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to – I like turning around in my car and saying, this is it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and for us, um, our listeners probably have heard this so many times, but for us, like, we got to that point that you're supposed to get to. Yeah. We yeah. got there. Yeah. We could afford our house. We had right. savings. and right. And we, like, we had no debt. Routine. And we, we had, had routine. a routine. Like, and nice it and was, and quote, unquote, yeah. really safe. Yeah. And I was gagging on it. I was just gagging on all of it. I couldn't, I was like, it all has to go. It all has so to awesome. go. Really cool. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a stop on our, our journey to California and we'll see what that brings. We don't even know, but it's, it's funny to be at this point right here. Cause when you're in New York city, Months ago, being like, yeah, we're moving to California. Now we're like in Arizona. We're like, we're one state. There's no away. more states in between. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we really got to man up. Real. We got to. It's man not bad up. here. I no. mean, you've got to. If you spent more time here, I think you'd see, and you may end up back. Who knows? You know, who depends knows? where you are in California. It depends how much you're into people. You know, the thing about California, I love California, but it's really crowded. You know, and even uh, even this weekend in Sedona, we had it was a lot of people there. You know, it's a gorgeous spot. But there were so many people. Yeah. And it's really quiet here in Tucson. I mean, depending on where you live and where you're at and the riding and all that. So it's a pretty it's a pretty good place. I, I, I again think, you know, you've seen the rankings in Triathlete magazine and different magazines always say where? Boulder, mm -hmm. San Diego, and Tucson. Yep. And and I don't get it because it's so far, you know, Boulder and San Diego are so far beyond in terms of a, of a triathlon community of anywhere in America. But I think Tucson has all the makings to become 
a real, real leading place. You come here in you know, January, February, the number of camps here, everybody brings camps here. I was close to pulling a trigger on a camp to get out of Rhode Island and come down here. I think yeah. it was um, Barry's camp. Yeah, Shepley. He, yeah. He's got a ton of them. I mean, yeah. Barry Shepley, uh, Andy Potts is going to have a camp okay. here this, nice. this uh, winter. Hillary, do they? Uh, the, the, yeah. Hillary, Hillary Biscay. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Hillary yeah. and, and, Dur- and uh, Endurance Conspiracy. Uh, Endurance Nation. Nation. Yeah. And, Patrick. And yeah. A lot of different, you know, all these groups are here. and, and um, But Hillary and Mike Tulsik are still here. Yeah. Although I'm not sure if they're going to stay here or be in San Diego more. Yeah. Uh, well, now they got a little baby. Baby, isn't that precious? That's so awesome. <laughs> really I awesome. just love it. Yeah, really we awesome. love Hillary. So yeah, we should probably get wrapping it up here. Yeah, right. I wanted to ask you about um, the future of the mixed relay because oh, we love the mixed have you relay. seen? Have you seen? Have we seen it? We, seen it? Yeah. we, yeah. Love we watch it, it over awesome. and over. Yeah. And I've yet to participate in one, it's but so I know cool. they have the, that world championship in Hamburg just, the major league oh they had the world championship oh the major league but then the major league oh, yeah, that yeah, fans yeah. participated in yeah yeah I just love the excitement of it and the uh, and talking about training as a group I mean yeah. there's a team yeah. atmosphere that yeah. they all have to, to, so to train together so ITU has been working very hard for the last five six seven years to get that in the Olympics mm. and we had hoped that it would make Rio and it didn't uh we're really optimistic about it getting into Tokyo. Oh, this is so, what we want to hear. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, next September is the vote, I think. Um, actually, in September next year, I think, is when they decide on the city, hopefully L.A., uh, for 2024. Mm-hmm. And then also next year, I think we learn what sports might be added. And we're hopeful that Mixed Team Relay would, which would be great for Ben, because Ben's like made for mixed team relay. He's an ace. all out. He's all out. Red line. Exactly. He said he when he, he did the one in Hamburg, he was like losing it. He went too hard. On, like, he he was. He like couldn't swim. buckle his helmet. He was <laughs> phenomenal in Hamburg, uh, and he's been every every mixed team relay. So we think there's a good shot for it. it but you know, you don't think about all the other factors. Uh, you know, how many teams, like the United States, we had three guys, three girls, you know, at in Rio. So you could have had a team. But what about Germany, who had two people or, two, yeah. or you know, who, whoever. So, you know, you've got to have a certain number of teams. So I think we had 14 countries had enough that would have fielded a mixed team relay team. Sounds- but you can't, the Olympics limit how many people are in the Olympics. So you've really got to like physically draw. across all sports, all sports. Like they say, there we're going to have five thousand okay. athletes. That's it. And so you know, basically, it, it would limit. It appears that we would be limited to the athletes who make the Olympics as an individual. Mm-hmm. Those people would be competing. would be competing in the mixed team relay. Then the question is, you know, what's the di- you know if what are the days? Because if you have an Olympic distance triathlon and the next day is mixed team relay they're going to be you know wiped out Spent, yeah. so you know could this mean that the olympics become a sprint triathlon to get the mixed team relay so there's a lot of there are still a lot of gyrations that have to be figured out but hopefully it will get into the olympics because you know we're and the ioc the international olympic committee did have people in hamburg physically watching it uh and were really complimentary and marisol casada who is the president of the itu has been working feverishly to get this into the Olympics. And, you know, we're really hopeful, yes. particularly for Tokyo. 
And the Tokyo people, uh, the Tokyo the tra- Japanese Triathlon Union actually went to Hamburg, brought a lot of executives from Tokyo, and did a video documentary of the mixed team relay to get people in Tokyo enthused. So they're doing everything they can to bring the mixed team. Relay so BJ, back. we're not the only people who want this to go to I the feel Olympics. Like we're the only ones. No, you're not the only one. Every, no, not Ben Knut's not the only one. No, it's it's really fun to watch. It's and in super person, fun. it's crazy. They did it in Cozumel for the juniors. So they had mixed team relay with the juniors, and it was equally exciting and fun. And I want to ask you this question, and we can keep it or not, but I want to ask you the coverage, the coverage of ITU events. Phenomenal. The coverage of Ironman events. Phenomenal. Perfectly so. <laughs> like where yeah. is that? I know it's, it's physically the ITU races are smaller. They're in a, a more contained area and Ironman can span out. And, but it seems like they hit the mark in so many races and then other races, it's like, some races that, are ninety percent, and some races are ten percent. I think that's generous. Well, <laughs> let me let me let me just say one thing in in, in uh, something positive about Ironman sure. coverage. So so Jody and I are obviously we live, breathe, you know, triathlon, and and uh, so we actually are in the middle of watching the twelve hours of Kona coverage. Mm-hmm. We we are still watching it because no one. I don't know anyone that sits for twelve hours. I don't know maybe. People do long. I know they do long bike rides on the trainer for five hours. <laughs> we watching. pretty much yeah, have it. I understand, that. <laughs> but not all twelve hours. No. I, I personally, I'm, I'm really. I think Michael Lovato does a great he job. He is great. really nails it. He's become a great announcer. Yeah, he does I a great job. I think some of the other, you know, um, um, work is is not quite at, at Michael's level. Personally, I think they could do a better job, but. But, um, you know, it's tough covering an Ironman. I mean, it, if you, you know, it's a long event. It's not exci- as exciting as uh, ITU racing. I think ITU, when, when uh, they had the vision of going draft legal, really nailed it. Mm-hmm. And now when you have the speed of the swim and the, but the camera coverage is much better. The announcing is much better. Every, every aspect of it. But there's, a, it's, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, that's what I was going to A lot ask. of money. And, and the cities, uh, you know, the LOCs, the local organizing committees, have to come up with that money. And, you know, one of the reasons you're not seeing these big races here in the United States, you know, we had it in San Diego for two years. We had it in Chicago mm-hmm. for two years. We, But it's, it costs a lot of money. It, it's not profitable. Hamburg's profitable. You know, a couple of those races are, but that's why you see it bouncing around a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and, and ITU doesn't pay for that TV coverage of the local organizing committee. Does. Wow. I didn't, so if but we it's want so to put consistent. A, it's so consistent with you know, the you six have or to seven follow races. Because it's the same organization doing it, you know. Mm. And uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, there are certain standards, but I think there's great opportunity there. But, but a two-hour or one-hour sprint race a little bit easier to cover than and the excitement than a you know eight or nine hour yeah. Ironman event. But I just think that you know if it's just going to be a camera sitting there like filming the swim exit and there's <laughs> the swim's been over for hours or something, yeah. just shut the camera off. Don't say that there's coverage. You know, I'm not gonna. You know, I've had <laughs> had conversations, and you know, they they it's an area of opportunity for them. It is for an sure. Area I of think that Wanda Group, you know, the Wanda Group is is uh, the people who bought Iron Man, who own Iron Man now, are 
hugely into the entertainment business, entertainment world. They've bought all the theaters, you know, movie theaters and, mm. and uh, around the world. I mean, they own half the theaters in the United States now. So they're into entertainment. So my hope is recognizing this as entertainment and sports and entertainment. Hopefully they'll put some money behind that. But yeah, it's been disappointing. There's no way to say that it, it's on par. But certainly proud of ITU. I, it's the best $20 <laughs> yep. I spend. And have you gone to the archives? I go, I go to the archives all the time. So you've gone to like the 1993. I haven't gone that far back. Series win I haven't gone that far back. Yeah, but You can go to the archives. And this is, I wrote to Andrew Messick sure. last week about this. Because there's no reason. I'm, I'm helping coach this guy up in Phoenix um, who's a former football player uh, who wants to do Ironman, of course. And I, so I wanted him to see the 1995 Ironman, which I competed in. And Daryl Haley competed in it. He was a lineman for the New England Patriots, 305 pounds. So this guy that I'm working with is 6'5", 255. And he says, am I too big for Ironman? So I wanted him to see that video. Well, I found it. And I have a, the DVD of it. But... I mean, maybe Iron Man ought to have all their old races archived online. And would someone pay $20 to be able to go back and see and scan and go to certain points? I would think so. I would think so. So I, I sent them that letter, and ITU's been doing it. So you can go back to 1989. They have the original, the first ITU World Championship with your $20. It's not easy to find, but you can find it. And you can watch Mark Allen win the very first ITU World Championship. It's so cool. So cool. In French. I think the commentary is all <laughs> French, but that's what you get. I, I get. I think it's good to get the history of the sport and to, to see the history of the sport. Everyone has an opinion, but to see it yourself, I think you can have your own interpretation of it. I think the most incredible thing about our sport, and when it comes to Ironman too, is, is that with all the bike advances and the power meters and now the power meters for run and all this crap, and we're going gaga over someone running a you know a two forty two or well I think two thirty nine this mm -hmm. year, but Mark Allen ran a two what two forty in twenty years ago. So and the bikes aren't any faster. Norman mm -hmm. Stadler's split is still the I think the bike course record at four seventeen if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, and people say oh it's strategic and all this, but. You know, we just haven't seen those advances. These these warriors to look back and see the Mike Pigs and the and the Scott Molinas and these guys were racing every week, uh, sometimes twice in a weekend. Molina would race on a Saturday and Sunday, Olympic distance, professional prize money races back to back, um, not weekend back to back, day back to back. <laughs> uh, so you know, understanding that history, I think, is really really important. It's so exciting, though. We were talking to Ben. Um, Ben Canute, if we haven't mentioned who we're talking about, we keep mentioning yeah. Ben, um, about how excited we get as fans of ITU and as fans of Ironman, um, you know, the longer distances is seeing these guys and seeing them move into that distance, like later on and, you know, when they're done with ITU is so, yeah. is yeah. so fun, especially when they hit the, they're kind of dabbling in both. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just really fun to see them bring their speed and strength to the 70.3 distance. Well, you see what happens. I mean, when Javier Gomez took it seriously, he went and blew everyone away. And when he goes to Ironman. I can't year, wait for that. I, I hope even, the coverage is good. 
Well, you, you won't have a long drive because the word is he'll be doing Ironman Arizona next November. Oh. And then you could drive over and wherever you Well, are. maybe we'll be on the maybe course I'll be right. yeah. To see Gomez do an Ironman will be pretty incredible. I think Brownlee, you know, may, may take that challenge on for the same year. 2018 would be the year to... It's going to be really fun. To it's, really a, fun. it's a really fun, anybody who's out there listening that, you know, is thinking about doing one, it's a, a it's just such a, a fruitful lifestyle in yeah. so many ways. Yeah, it's expensive. You can look at it that way. It's expensive. But you know what? Uh, we're living out of a car right now. Really. <laughs> Somehow we're figuring it out. Yeah. You, you know? know, I got to tell you, we've had, I've met a lot of people here in Tucson who, are living the triathlon lifestyle and they've never done an Ironman. Yeah. And they're living that style and I love it. I love it. I think, you know, there there's a lot of camaraderie. They ride together. They eat well. They feel healthy. They, uh, you know, the Facebook page is 80% me, me, me in triathlon. Mm-hmm. And, we love uh, it. You know, it's it's what they are, you know, and, and it's an identity and it's a healthy, you know, what could be better? And I'm living here in this golf community where, where I'm the – really the outlier but when we go to local parties with all the the people all they want to hear about is triathlon they're the triathlon guy and they think that's you know pretty good and 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 it is good you know it is a good lifestyle i just caution people not to become too obsessed with it Mm -hmm. and to have some diversity that's why i just became an elk and and to give back to the community that's why thank you and that's why we you know run the dogs a couple times a week we go to the animal shelter here at the local shelter and we will do that tonight if you want to join us that's awesome 4 30 so we do that a couple times a week um to go to the shelter and with the tucson rough runners and we run the dogs and we volunteer for that and i just think it's important for triathletes not to become too self-absorbed because it's too easy to do that it is really easy to do that. And I think a, a great gauge of how attached and defined you are by triathlon is when you get injured yeah, and you can't yeah, do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, I mean, for some people it's absolutely devastating. I've certainly had some tears over stuff like that. BJ had a huge awakening around that. And once you um, are able to just see that it's, it's not who you are, it's a part of who you are. And it's a, it's a part of, you know, it's, it's yes. really the seed for a very healthy lifestyle, yeah. and uh, if you keep it all in perspective, and you don't need a super fancy bike, and you don't need a power yeah. meter. I mean, yep. you know, I love Siri's story of her first triathlon. She borrows a bike. You everybody's, know I mean? everybody's first story. Yeah, <laughs> you know? everybody's. No, Siri, and and another plug for Siri's book. It is it is absolutely outstanding book. And uh, like I said, I I can't wait to write write my review on it and talk to her a little bit about it. But she's a great individual. I can't wait to uh, to read that review. But yeah, it was so great to sit down with her. And, and the book's amazing. So that's Surfacing by Siri Lindley. Yeah. And I think we'll wrap it up for real this time. So what do you, so what do you see in, in the future of triathlon? So what what's what's coming? Where, where, how can we get people involved and grow the sport and maybe leave people with one thing that um, they can shoot for? I think or, you get kids involved. You do? I think get kids yeah. involved. That's if there was one thing I would want to do. You know, I'm supporting someone here locally who, who started from scratch two years ago, and she's gotten tons of kids involved in the sport. Uh, back in Boulder, we had the Boulder Kids Triathlon, yeah. the 500, yep. 500 kids and kids every, on disc wheels. Oh heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> every pro in Boulder would come out to help with that race, which was just so awesome. And I, you know, get our youth involved. 
I think that's the that's the big thing. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. Uh, I mean, really, when do. you think about the future of triathlon, that's it right there. Yeah, absolutely. Because we mean, want we want some we, when we're like sitting back and we're not doing triathlon anymore. We need to cheer people on so amen. the kids are everything. Yeah. LA twenty twenty four, baby. That's what we, that's yeah. what we really got to push <laughs> we'll for. We'll see you there. Here. <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Thank you, Barry. Absolutely. I'm glad he wasn't too loud during his dream. He, YTP episode 33 with Barry Siff. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed chatting with Barry in his beautiful home in Tucson, Arizona. We mentioned Ben Canute, Siri Lindley, and Neil Henderson during the episode, and we've got those interviews coming to you over these next few months. We still have about two to three months in the queue from our cross-country Ride the High Vibe tour, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss a one. Okay, now for the best news of the day. Our bud Lance from Without Limits Productions has just announced that the Boulder Peak Triathlon is back in full force, including the return of the pro race and Jody's amazing finisher creations. And we're predicting a sold out event. There has been a flurry of smiley faces and thumbs up on Facebook all week. People, especially our dear Boulderites, are so fired up for the return, but none more so than Barry and Jody, who know that Lance, with his proven track record of being a fabulous race director, will approach these events with a SIF-like mindset and commitment level. So congratulations, Lance and the Without Limits team and Barry and Jody for the rebirth of their baby. This is such awesome news. And there has been some recent nudging for the Beej and I to return to Boulder next July to race the peak. And we're not saying no, because certainly we know that anything is possible. I mean, if anyone told me a year ago that I'd be a podcast host living in Carlsbad, California, I would have said, I love it. That sounds like an excellent idea. So thanks so much, everyone, for supporting the show. If you're digging it, please give us a like on social, share it with your friends, and leave a review on iTunes. Yeah, I'm asking for all three. Why? Because you're taking the time to send us emails and messages about the show. So we're just asking you to share that with the world. Ah, living the air of giving and receiving. That is it for this week. BJ and I will be back next week with our monthly show. So if you have any questions or topics that you want discussed, please drop us a line. Until then, we wish you all the best for your high vibe life.